It is January 22nd, 2019. Welcome to the first episode of In Front of the Bookshelf with M.A. Brennan. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Brennan. Here in front of the bookshelf, we will talk about some intense topics in regards to education. The big problems that we face in regards to education, specifically focusing on some the effects that education has when it comes to the impacts on the veteran soldier when they come back to school. We'll also dive into some topics that look at the multicultural aspects that have an effect on education. We'll look at some of the big achievement gaps within the U.S. education system, and we'll also take a look at some of the different philosophical ideas within education. We'll also look at some philosophy. We'll talk about some mythology and how to incorporate those within curriculum and instruction, and how to create a new type of curriculum and instruction program for a new generation and we'll be each week talking about these ideas. Each week, hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to have guests on the show to bring their ideas, and it'll give us an opportunity to ask questions and bring in different perspectives, different cultures, different ideas, those who have a lot of perspectives when it comes to those ideas. This week, we're going to be talking about a very important and controversial paper by Gloria Ladson Billings that was given during the 2006 presidential address. This paper was titled From the Achievement Gap to the U.S. Education Dep. Understanding Achievement in U.S. Schools. And I think this is a good place to start this week and having a good understanding of where my ideas are as well as where some of those before me have defined some of the ideas that we are going to be discussing throughout this series. So sit back and enjoy this series in front of the bookshelf with Ma Brennan. So in Gloria Ladson Billings' paper, she first begins to address some questions that plague her. And I'm glad that she addresses these questions right off the bat. And she brings in one of the big social scientists of the 1950s, uh, Kenneth Clark. And uh, for those of you that do not know of Kenneth Clark, um, he helped form the basis uh, for the landmark Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954. 
Um, however, in his classic volume of the Dark Ghetto Dilemmas of Social Power that was published in 1965, Clark took on uh, social scientists to task for their failure to engage and understand the plight of the poor. And he quoted, to my knowledge, there is at present nothing in the vast literature of the social science treatises and textbooks and nothing in the practical and field training of graduate students in social science to prepare them for the realities and complexities of this type of involvement in a real, dynamic, turbulent, and at times seemingly chaotic community. And what is more, nothing anywhere in the training of social scientists, teachers, or social work now prepares them to understand, to cope with, or to change the normal chaos of ghetto communities. These are grave lacks which must be remedied soon if these disciplines are to become relevant. Emphasis added to the stability and survival of our society. It's funny how even Clark and Ladson Billings both are addressing this issue here to this day, that we are still not addressing the perspectives of other cultures. Yes, I will admit that here I am, a white male in my middle 30s, who's had a typical white education through a ed- white uh, predominant education system. And it's not now until a, as a graduate student that I'm seeing through these different lenses, through these multicultural lenses, these different perspectives of inclusion that need to be brought into the classroom from the beginning. From the very beginning, it is essential that all aspects be represented, regardless if that truth is a very hard pill to swallow. Education must be fair. Ladson Billings continues to go on and states that Clark concerns remain some 40 years later. We have this continued paradox within education research and an investigation of poor African American, Latina, and Latinos, American Indian, and Asian immigrant students who represent an increasing number of students. In major metropolitan school districts who do not receive the educational opportunities of those of white students. So a question that needs to be addressed is why are these children not learning to read? What accounts for high levels of school dropouts among these urban students? How can we explain the declining performance in mathematics and science? At the same time that science and mathematics knowledge is exploding, why do factors like race and class continue to be strong predictors of achievement when gender disparities have shrunk? Yet we still have a prevalence of the achievement gap. And I know even Ladson Billing states this. 
even in today's education literature, the achievement gap is such a, a horrible term. Google provides more than 11 million citations for achievement gap. The term is invoked by people on both ends of the political spectrum, and very few people argue over what its actual meaning is. According to the National Governors Association, achievement gap is a matter of race and class across the U.S. as a gap in academic achievement persists between minority and disadvantaged students and their white counterparts. It goes on to further state, this is one of the most pressing education policy challenges that states currently face. 2005. Yet this number continues. We continue to compare this number with our white counterparts. We continue to have a stereotype threat that contributes to this gap. We focus on the cultural mismatch that contributes to this gap. We focus on the nature of curriculum as and the school as the source of the gap. We focus on the pedagogical practices of teachers as contributing to either the exacerbation of the narrowing of the narrowing of the gap, but yet we actually don't look at the real elephant in the room. We have to understand there is a difference between national debt versus the national deficit. Thomas Jefferson in 1816 said that I place economy among the first and most important virtues and public debt as the greatest of dangers to be feared. To preserve our, in our independence, we must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt. But the debt has not merely been going up. Between 1823 and 1835, the debt steadily decreased from a high of almost $91 million to a low of $33,000. The national debt hit the one billion mark in 1863 and the one trillion mark in 1981. Today, the national debt sits at more than eight trillion dollars. This level of debt means that the United States pays about 132 million dollars in interest each year. This makes our debt interest the third largest expenditure in the federal budget after defense and combined entitlement programs such as Social Security and Medicare. Being able to understand debt versus deficit will help us understand debt and education disparity. We do not have an achievement gap. We have an educational debt. According to Ladson Billings, to be perfectly candid, she admits that when I consulted with a strict economics professor, Emeritus Robert, 
Havman of the University of Wisconsin Department of Economics, La Follette Institute of Public Affairs and Institute of Research on Poverty, he stated, the education debt is the foregone schooling resource that we could have, should have, been investing in primarily low-income kids, which deficit leads to a variety of social problems. Example, crime, low productivity, low wages, low labor force participation. That require ongoing public investment. This required investment sucks away resources that could go to reducing the achievement gap. Without the education debt, we could narrow the achievement debt. Some researchers suggest that the combination of socioeconomic and family conditions, youth culture, and student behavior and schooling conditions and practices do not fully explain changes in the achievement gap. But yet, we have all of this information that says otherwise. That if we were to invest more within education, we would have less debt. So the, the irony of the historical debt is that while African Americans were enslaved and prohibited from schooling, the product of their labor was used to profit northern industries who already had the benefit of education. So even in history, by the 1860s, New England was home to 472 cotton mills built on rivers and streams throughout the region. Between 1830 and 1840, northern mills consumed more than 100 million pounds of southern cotton. With shipping and manufacturers included, the economy of much of New England was connected to textiles. And by the 1850s, the economists, the enormous profits of Massachusetts industrialists had been poured into a complex network of the banks, insurance companies, and railroads. After the Civil War, African Americans worked with Republicans to rewrite state constitutions to guarantee free public education for all students. Ultimately, their, their efforts benefit white children more than black children. The landmark Plessy versus Ferguson, an 1896 decision, meant that segregation that the South had been practicing was officially recognized as legal by the federal government. This is where our economic debt begins, starts to begin. One of the earliest things one learns in statistics, in statistics is that correlation does not prove causation. But we must ask ourselves why the funding inequalities map so neatly and regu regularly fits onto the racially and ethnic realities of our schools. Even if we cannot prove that schools are poorly funded because blacks and Latino, Latina students attend them, we can demonstrate that the amount of funding rises with the rise in white students. This power and this pattern of inequitable funding has occurred over centuries. So what's the problem? Is this a moral debt? What are we doing? What is the issue? What is the cause? Next week, we will continue to discuss these things further on. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode. Next week, we're going to have our first guest. And we're going to talk more about some of the inequalities and what you can look for in 
front of the bookshelf with Ma Burnham. <laughs>